Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. This is episode 32, and today we're going to take a look at the Amalgamated Transit Union. But first of all, I wanted to give a shout out to some of my listeners here. So let me give a shout out here. Let me see here. Go to my list. So here we go. Oklahoma, Texas, Virginia, New York. Hey New York, how are you? Pennsylvania. Hey Pennsylvania, good to see you there. British Columbia, Ohio, District of Columbia and California. California, I love you. Even though I don't agree with every little thing that you do, that's okay. I still love you very much. I love your state. I've actually been there a couple times. It is beautiful weather and it's just absolutely wonderful. Um I don't know if you're still having wildfires out there, but it seems like that tends to be a problem. And from what someone told me, and I don't know whether or not this is true, but some of the grass fires they they say that are due or the wildfires you're having actually. Um it's there's I guess there's a rule in different parts of California that people that own land, they're not allowed to get rid of some some particular type of undergrowth or grass or some kind of brush on their property because of EPA Environmental Protection Agency rules or regulations. I hope that's not true, but um there are some property owners that are very irritated about that and it's causing problems in their neighborhoods because something like that can easily catch fire. Sometimes that happens in Oklahoma. We have um fires here as well, but it's usually due to droughts, um lightning striking the ground and it's really dry here sometimes. So that's just one of the things that happens when you have droughts and those kind of environmental conditions. Uh, but anyway, um so some countries to list off here first of all United States, Canada, the United Kingdom. Hey Britain, how you doing? Love to see you there and the Netherlands. Very good to see you there. And so first off, that's the first uh thing I want to do. The second thing is to kind of go through some housekeeping things here. I want to follow up on a couple of things. So the first thing is in my previous podcast I had mentioned Pandora but I neglected to mention the story of where I was going. I got sidetracked. My apologies on that. Um the story that I was going to tell you is something that happened to me. So um I used to listen to Pandora a lot and I had not purchased the membership where you eliminate the ads. I actually liked listening to the ads um for a good while and um cuz usually the ads were relevant to the businesses uh, excuse me the businesses that were local to Oklahoma City and also local to Oklahoma and so sometimes i would learn about sales or specials or things like that and so it was relevant to me and i didn't mind that at all so but then the ads changed for whatever reason i don't know why and this was several years ago and um they changed to being in spanish like just just out of the blue just all in spanish all these ads i had no idea what they were talking about cuz again they talk really fast and nothing against that but as i said in the previous podcast oklahomans we talk slow and we listen slow we're good people but we talk slow and we listen slow that's just the nature of where we live and how we're raised kind of thing and so um i guess i'll put it this way we lack that intensity that like people from new york or boston have and so there there's a very much a big difference between us <laughs> so but it's it's a good thing you know cuz you know the great thing about this world that we live in is that we have variety right but anyway so um i tried to contact pandora to let them know hey could you please go back to having english speaking ads because i have no idea what they're talking about 
and it really throws me off like when I'm exercising or when I'm working or things like that and you know the ads are not relevant to me. I have no idea why they changed. Well, I couldn't get a hold of Pandora, their customer service, so I had a Twitter account at the time. And so I went online to Twitter and I just dropped them a line because I know they read their stuff because I've seen them reply back to other people that kind of thing. It's not always computer generated. There actually is a person sometimes that checks their account. So I, I wrote them a tweet and I said, you know, could you please? Or I said something to the, to the effect of, hey, I'm having a problem with my uh, Pandora subscription. Technically, I haven't subscribed, but um, the ads are now all in Spanish. Uh, and I don't know why. I was like, I don't know why you have changed it to being in Spanish. And first of all, I'm, I'm dismissing that lovely alarm. That's for me to take my vitamins at lunchtime. My apologies on that. But um, so I wrote them online on Twitter, not thinking that this would cause a firestorm on my Twitter page, not at all, because it was just a, a legitimate request. And I said, you know, I don't understand why. the ads have changed to spanish when you know the the language of the land of the united states is english first of all that doesn't mean other people don't speak other languages but the language of the land is english and number two, i live in oklahoma most people in oklahoma speak english like we do have some pockets of hispanic communities but they're small compared to the rest of the state so i said you know could you please change the ads back to being in english because I would actually buy those things or be interested in those goods or services but because they're in Spanish I have no idea what they're talking about. And then out of the blue I I start getting harassed by these three high schoolers. Two of them they're all three were Hispanic. Um two of them were male, one of them was female and they were friends. And they were legitimate accounts because I started getting these weird harassing messages online. And I thought, what in the world? At first I thought they like had a mistaken identity kind of thing going on. But then um I was really looking at what they were talking about. I was like, oh, they really are referring to me. Like they were just so childish and so weird and so angry and hateful. It was just bizarre. Like they 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 were so ignorant and uneducated and so immature that they didn't realize it was a customer service issue. It was not a political issue. I I legitimately was requesting Pandora. to give me back English speaking ads like it was before and Pandora did switch it back you know but needless to say the these three uh, teeny boppers they just kind of went ape on me online so they were saying horrible things about my race my ethnicity um about me being a woman which I found kind of odd because one of them was a girl and um they're high schoolers I and mean, I looked at their account and I was like oh so these are just basically three friends that go to the same high school and I guess they have a twitter feed where they follow pandora and they didn't like what I said like they they took it personal what I said and I I I wrote them back and I said you know I think you're you're overreacting to this I was like this is this has nothing to do with race This is a language issue, you know, basically linguistics kind of thing. And it also deals with advertising and marketing. It's like they they the marketing changed on my account for some reason. And I I was just telling them the truth about what happened and the girl she was telling these guys online that she she said sicker sicker get her get her like real mean and hateful and I was just like what is wrong with these people? So um I can't remember if I blocked them or not. Um 
But the girl, she was really sick. She was very much a manipulator. Uh, she was evil. Um, I will say this. Women, they can be um, some of the meanest, cruelest people. You have to be careful with that, especially with, with this type of chickadee. Um, so what she did was she was encouraging these guys, and she was instigating this stuff. She was encouraging them to, to bully me, to badger me online. And what I found very interesting was that during that time, when this was going on, When I was being targeted, there was a movement at the time about anti-bullying online in high schools. <laughs> I just thought, how dumb is this? You know, there's a campaign going on in our nation, basically, at that time to try and eliminate, quote-unquote, or eradicate um, online bullying um, from high schools uh, because they were having a problem in high schools with high schoolers committing suicide and having depression and things like that because of bullying. And then I'm like, this is stupid. Like their their parents just need to ground them or discipline them somehow because these kids are not being disciplined. And another thing, I don't think minors should be online. I don't think they should have Twitter pages. I don't think they should be on Instagram. I don't think they should be on Facebook and all these other outlets of media. I think it's caused a lot of problem because obviously they are too immature and ignorant uh, to know how to really use these uh, platforms appropriately. Because I remember when Facebook came out, this is a side note, I remember when Facebook came out, I was in college, and Facebook was originally for college students. Like, you had to be in college. You could not be in high school. You had to be at least age 18, and then once you turned 22 or 23, your account was automatically shut off by Facebook because they expected you to graduate. And the way they did that was you had to use a university email in order to create an account Well, once you're four or five years or up, when you graduate from college, at least at that time, universities shut off your email account. So then you couldn't you know, use your email anymore through the university portal, which, of course, you wouldn't because you're not in school anymore. And then when your email account got shut off by the university, then you no longer utilized Facebook. Well, then Facebook, I guess they received complaints or maybe they wanted to grow their business and make more money and they realized they could make more money off of people if they just allowed them to stay on Facebook. So then they had it so that adults could be on it, but you had to have uh, attended college and it had to be where you had just graduated. So you got to stay on. Then it got extended to people that did go to college, but yet they get to keep their Facebook account regardless of how long it is after the fact they graduate. Then it got extended to people under the age of 18, high schoolers. And then that's when it really just blew up in terms of a population of people utilizing it. And it hasn't been the same since then. Then after that, all these other people started using Facebook, like people that never went to college, people that maybe or maybe they did or did not graduate high school. And so now you've got, like, everybody can use Facebook. Like I, I remember when Facebook was originally for college students so we could message each other. Talk about class and then send each other uh, messages to set up arrangements to have like study groups and things like that. That's what it was originally for. But it got blown out of proportion. Well, it's one of those things like, like these three kids that were badgering me on Twitter, they're the very kind of people that should not be using social media. So considering this was probably four or five years ago, maybe I'm guessing, um, So they're, they're now probably, you know, over the age of 18, if I had to guess, so they can vote, they can drive. Just imagine how crazy they are, like just like their behavior. They have a behavior problem, even as young people. 
But um, anyway, so the young girl, she was the instigator. She she was the ringleader. It was obvious that she was the ringleader, and these guys were just following her and they were doing her bidding. It was unbelievable. I was like, do they not realize they are being manipulated by a female? I'm like, use your own brain. It was just pathetic. I was just like, wow, these guys are stupid. So she went from being really cold and hateful to me. To messaging me and say, "Hey, I want to get to know you. Let's be friends." And I was like, "No, I'll pass. Don't ever contact me again. Thank you," kind of thing. And so she left me alone. But it was really creepy because she went from being hateful and mean to trying and be um, nice and kind. And it's like I'm not falling for that. Like that's how she manipulates and fools people. Um, but that's just an example of that. That was the Pandora example I was going to give you. But anyway, my Pandora account. It got fixed, and it was a marketing issue. It wasn't anything um, underhanded or anything like that. It was just a simple mistake on Pandora's part. And my request really was just um, customer service because I couldn't get a hold of them. So um, it's one of those things. So the next thing on the housekeeping list is looking at the FDIC. I wanted to look that up because I mentioned that in my previous podcast that if our federal government You know, if you personally, as an individual, were the federal government and you went to a bank to try to get a loan for thirty-one trillion dollars, they would tell you no, and here's why: FDIC that stands for Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. It is a government agency. Okay, it says the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation is one of two agencies that supply deposit insurance to depositors in American depository institutions, meaning banks. The other being the National Credit Union Administration, which regulates and insures credit unions. And this, the, get this, it was—I didn't know this—but it was founded by Franklin D. Roosevelt, and it was founded uh, June 16, 1933. Now think about that. We've come out of the roaring, the roaring 20s, and we're starting to have banking crisis here. And then the 30s. Not only did we have, um, what was it called? We had the Dust Bowl in Oklahoma. We had the stock market crash, and then also in the 1930s was when the Nazi Party was really growing. So I mentioned that because over in Europe the Nazi Party, I mean, it started out as just plain old fascism, kind of underground, and then they came out from the underground and started taking over different government offices and started、uh, gaining power. And the way they did that was once they went from Calling, they didn't really call themselves fascists per se, but because they didn't want people to know who they really were, they just wanted to fool people and make it seem like they really wanted to help Germany, and everybody else should pay because of what happened to Germany. Like they were trying to create、uh, sympathizers, basically. Even though Germany deserved what it got both times because of what it did, and Germany used to be a very evil country.、Um, not everybody within Germany was bad, but. It was predominantly a really bad, evil country, and so there's a reason why they lost two world wars and why they were punished for what they did, because we didn't want to have to deal with them again on that. And so, because、um, they had a lot of、um, tyrannical groups in their country that took over their government, so and that's the fault of their citizens falling for these stupid lies.、Um, but anyway, so you had the fascist party turn to the Nazi party, and the Nazi party. You know, they their ultimate goal was to um, eliminate uh, all all the Jews. Basically, that was the final destination on that. But、um, the way that they really got power was they took over different banking systems within Europe, and they started within Germany. 
and then they overtook and stole and confiscated people's land, property, houses, bank accounts, um everything. Um they targeted Jewish people first because they scapegoated the Jews, but then they started taking other people's property, people that were that were not even Jewish. So that's why um one of the reasons why the FDIC was created in the United States because I have no doubt the government at that time was perfectly aware that there were fascists here and there were Nazis here in the United States and they did not want to take a chance of someone taking over uh the depository institutions aka the banks or the credit unions within the United States. They did not want that problem and they also wanted to make the financial institutions of the United States very strong and so that they would not be vulnerable anymore. So that if we did have a stock market crash and things like that or if there was some kind of inflation going on that we would still have stability within our economy we would still have stability within our country regardless of what happened so it's a good thing he founded that and created that because then later on uh in the early 40s was the beginning of of uh, World War 2 and we got involved by the bombing of Pearl Harbor so um and that was in December so anyway um There's that for housekeeping with that. The next item on the housekeeping list is I went to the Amalgamated Transit Unions website and um they're having some problems right now in Chicago. I'm not surprised uh, cuz Chicago is a very corrupt um gang infested city. It's not safe. And so what's going on there right now is they are having a problem with Oh by the way, Amalgamated Transit Union, we're talking about bus drivers, railway drivers, things like that. And so um it started out as streetcar drivers and and railway drivers and then it, as as technology changed in terms of transportation um it became about bus drivers and things like that. So I guess what's going on right now in Chicago is they're having a problem with bus drivers, unionized bus drivers being brutally attacked and I mean brutal on, on these buses. And so there was um one lady her husband was beaten so bad he's in a hospital he's in a coma and then there was another bus driver that was beaten horribly just senseless and then um they've had like they were just like within a week apart uh, with these two very vicious attacks on these bus drivers and so um the bus drivers um are going to city hall and they're saying hey you need to help us with this there's something going on here our bus drivers are being viciously attacked. Um City Hall, I guess, I guess at this point has not done anything. I don't know if they're going to have a vote. I don't know if they're going to get the police involved. And um so I'll circle back to that in just a moment, but I guess what the um what this particular chapter of ATU, uh, a local chapter, uh what they did in Chicago was they um They have volunteer security guards, I guess, at every bus stop or bus station. And what I would do, one thing I thought of was have a police presence on the bus until this calms down, like actually have an armed police officer on the bus. Um, but see, here's the thing. I'm not surprised at all that this is happening. Not in regards to the credit union, not or not credit, not not in regards to this labor union. but um just because it's Chicago there is nothing new under the sun there it's a very violent place it's very liberal you've had democrats in charge for a long time there they have some of the strictest gun laws in the country but yet they have the most gun violence in the country they have a lot of gang violence and so what i find interesting is that 
you have people, you know, thugs, they're, they're jerks and they're thugs that are beating up these bus drivers. So immediately what I thought of was gang violence and gang initiation because bus drivers would be easy pickings, to be blunt. And that sucks, but that that's just what gangs do. If they want to initiate someone, they don't give them a, a hard assignment. They give them an easy assignment. And it's it's always an assignment of violence. So if you want to... cut down on that you need to lift restrictions on gun laws in Chicago um you need to have a stronger police presence not police force per se i'm not saying that that cops be out everywhere with rifles out you know guns cocked that kind of thing i'm saying a police presence um cuz sometimes whenever you have the police out there and they're just in full army like kind of armor or maybe with a tank it's just too much and it's it just it just instigates stuff unfortunately even though sometimes you do need the cops to be out there in that manner sometimes it just leads to more violence because it angers the oppressors and so they they get even crazier which is very unfortunate but the first thing i thought of is that this is gang related and this is nothing new i'm not surprised at all it's sad but i mean this is what happens when you have democrats in charge of a city and and charge for a long time and they pass very strict gun uh, laws that make no sense because you know part of our rights as citizens of the United States is the right to bear arms so what's interesting is that whenever they pass these stupid uh, legislation these laws these mandates or whatever these restrictions in regards to preventing people from owning guns it doesn't stop criminals and thugs from getting guns it prevents regular citizens like you and me from being able to protect ourselves So that is one reason why I am against I am against any kind of gun regulation not legislation but um legislation and except for in um except for one there's one exception that is in uh, with dealing with the mentally ill. I do agree with the Democratic Party that the mentally ill should never be allowed to own weapons. But here's the thing. Um unfortunately Democrats what they like to do is they say, well, you know, we can't have the mentally ill own guns. Okay, granted, you know, I I agree with that, but what sucks about the Democrats, especially crazy liberal nutbags, is that um they they start with one little re- um legislation, one little law, one little mandate that that everybody can agree with. They try and get everybody to agree with them, and then they use that one thing that we all agree on as a platform to then institute further gun re- um, legislation and restrictions on everybody else. So it's basically the beginning of a punishment. It's also the beginning of restricting your rights as a gun owner. That that's the problem and that that's not just local laws, that's constitutional law. So Chicago is having these problems because they, they don't understand um constitutional law, they don't understand public safety, and now members of this union are basically it's basically attempted murder on their life is what it is. I mean, you know, we have to call a spade a spade. Um these bus drivers are being um put in harm's way because of the lack of due diligence of the Democrats in that city. I mean, who wouldn't want to help these people? But here's the thing, here's one thing I don't like about this in regards to the union. I don't want them to turn it into a a union issue because it's not a union issue. It's a public safety issue because the gun violence that we're seeing there is not new. It's just that now it's affecting bus drivers. So what I hope does not happen is I hope this union does not use 
what's happening to their bus drivers as an excuse to empower their union and to give them um more benefits and you know just try and claim they're a victim all the time kind of card i don't like that because the violence that they are experiencing on their bus drivers the general public have been experiencing for a long time and they've been trying to speak up for probably 2 or 3 decades now but what what bugs me about some of this is that it's almost like whenever something happens to a union member it's it's like oh i can't believe that happened to them but if it happens to a regular person like you or me that's not in a union it's like yeah it's sad that happened to you but you know you're you're not really on tv all the time are you it it's kind of a form of discrimination as what it is so i i you know it's kind of like kind of tiptoeing eggshells here but at the same time it's like you know we need to call a spade a spade but here's the thing sometimes unions especially liberal unions progressive unions they take every opportunity to use any kind of hardship as an excuse to get people to be okay with what they're doing within their union like they will use any kind of catastrophe to bump themselves up or to prop themselves up on a political platform. I hope and pray that that's not what they're doing because that that concerns me because we know the behavior of unions. We know we know how they act, we know how they react, and we know that a lot of them are for Democrats. And here's the thing, I would think that these labor unions especially in Chicago that they would wake up that the Democratic Party does not really care about them because if they did they would not have such strict gun laws and they would have handled this way sooner than way later that that's my personal opinion but also some of that is fact based on what has been going on um so anyway that is some housekeeping things i wanted to go through with you real quick but let's go ahead and get started on this so this one is the amalgamated transit union and just some facts it was founded september 15 1892 its headquarters is in Silver Spring, Maryland. It has locations in the United States and Canada. That concerns me because I guarantee we're going to see an international president who probably may or may not be American. That's why I don't like our unions doing business with unions in other in other countries. Excuse me, because more than likely the money's from our unions here in the United States are going to another country as opposed to staying here and staying local and helping people out. So as of 2020, they have over 200,000 members. Um their international president, see I'm not surprised by this, is John A Acosta. Um Javier M Perez Jr is the international executive vice president. Um Kenneth R Kirk is international secretary treasurer and they have affiliations with the AFL CIO and the CLC. So let's go ahead and start reading this puppy. It says the Amalgamated Transit Union, also known as ATU, is a labor organization in the United States and Canada that represents employees in the public transit um industry established in 1892 as the Amalgamated Association of Street Railway Employees of America the union was centered primarily in the eastern United States ATU has over 200,000 members throughout the United States and Canada let's see here The union has its or it's repeating itself. I'll go ahead and say it. The union has its origins in a meeting of the American Federation of Labor in 1891 at which President Samuel Gompers was asked to invite the local street railway associations to form an international union. Gompers sent a letter to the local street railway unions in April, uh, sorry, April 1892. 
and based on the positive response arranged for a convention of street railway workers. The convention began on September 12, 1892 in Indianapolis, Indiana, attended by 50 delegates from 22 locals. Many many of the smaller unions were affiliated with AFL, while four larger locals were affiliated with the Knights of Labor and were and two were independent. I am a little concerned that they were affiliated with the Knights of Labor because anything that says knights or things like that makes me think of the Masons, kind of cult-like. The first president was William J. Law from the AFL affiliated local in Detroit. Detroit was chosen as the headquarters using the same facilities as the Detroit local. Because the number of members affiliated with the Knights of Labor was greater than the numbers affiliated with AFL, according to the claims of the delegates, The new international remained unaffiliated despite pleas by Gompers. The objectives included uh, education, settlement of disputes with management and securing good pay and working conditions. I don't mind that. I would agree with that. The international was given considerable authority over the locals. The second convention was held in Cleveland in October, uh, sorry, October 1893 with just 15 divisions represented by about 20 delegates. At this meeting, William D. Mahan, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, was named president and he still held or he held still he still held, oh sorry, he still held this position in 1937. Sorry, sometimes the wording on here is funky. By then the union had been renamed the Amalgamated Association of Street, Electric Railway and Motor Coach Employees of America. The union struggled in the early years as the transit companies followed the practices of firing union activists in the 1897 meeting in Dayton, Ohio, there were 20 delegates. The treasurer of the union now had $4,008. An early achievement was to have laws passed in a dozen states by 1899 that mandated enclosed vestibules for the motormen. Wages were close to $2 a day where the union uh, where the union was established, and in Detroit and Worcester, I think that's how you pronounce it. The 9-hour day had been achieved, although in most cities 10 or 11-hour days were common. Now, also, just want to make a note here, that was common because a lot of people worked long hours back then. It wasn't just because, oh, they want to keep them out there all hours of the day or night. No, there were other people that were working and needed a ride home or to and from work. So, kind of take into account what kind of labor force was out and about during these times. At the start of the 20th century, the Amalgamated Association launched a militant organizing program. That's concerning because that's uh, very fascist. Although the union was always willing to arbitrate in disputes, there were many strikes against the streetcar companies. Often these turned violent, I'm not surprised considering that they're militant, as in St. Louis in 1900 or Denver in 1920. The public and small businesses sympathized. See, that's what I'm talking about. sympathized with the strikers and passengers and other unions often became involved in the street actions. See, that's what I'm concerned about whenever a union um goes on the news and gives their sad sorry story about what's happening to their members of their union because what they're trying to do is they're trying to get sympathy from the public. Well, here's the thing, they will use the sympathy from the public for their particular hardship that's going on and they'll try and pass that on to get more power within their union. So that that's why I get concerned uh with with sympathizing things like that cuz you just need to focus on the facts. But unfortunately they it seems like they are notorious for using emotion 
and trying to get people to rely on their feelings as opposed to common sense, which is a problem. Goes on to say when buses began to replace streetcars, the association began to be challenged by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Remember brotherhood? That's a strange word. Always be alert of that one. It says International Brotherhood of Teamsters, Chauffeurs, Stablemen and Helpers. It was agreed that the Amalgamated Association would have jurisdiction over buses operated by street railway companies, while the Teamsters would have jurisdiction over independent bus lines and over road transportation of goods. Goes on to talk about membership. The ATU is the largest labor organization representing transit workers in the United States and Canada, with more than 200,000 members and over 240 local unions spread across 46 states and nine provinces. The main membership consists primarily of transit operators, though the union also includes more than 800 members working in over 80 craft occupations. ATU represented job classifications include bus, van, subway, and light rail operators, clerks, baggage handlers, and maintenance employees in urban transit, over-the-road and school bus industries, as well as emergency medical service personnel, ambulance operators, clerical personnel, and municipal workers. The ATU can be found in most major cities of the United States and Canada. Goes on to talk about their structure. The union is guided by a a convention that meets three times a year at which delegates chosen by locals meet to debate and direct the future of the union. The international officers consist of the international president, the international executive vice president, the international treasury or sorry, excuse me, the international secretary treasurer and 18 international vice presidents. Why you would need 18 international vice presidents? That's concerning. Kind of reminds me of the czars that we once had in the United States, which is so dumb because that's the complete opposite of who we are as a country. It says the international vice presidents serve on the union's general executive board. Why am I not surprised? To me, those are power-hungry positions, so I wonder if they're paid. And they're probably paid a lot if they are. Okay, it says international officers and general executive board. The office of international president is currently held by John A. Acosta, who elected as international president by the ATU General Executive Board. Why am I not surprised? They just vote in each other. In May 2019, after the untimely and tragic death of former ATU international president Larry Hanley, The international secretary treasurer is Kenneth Kirk, who was appointed by international president Costa in December 2019 to serve out the term of the late international secretary treasurer Oscar Owens. In August 2013, Javier M. Perez Jr. was unanimously elected to the position of international executive vice president. This one kind of concerns me because all they do is just vote for each other, and I'll I'll come back to that in just a moment. The union's general executive board can consist of 18 international vice presidents, but you don't need that. Elected positions voted on by the union's delegates at each um, triennial convention. Additionally, the union utilizes four international representatives appointed by the international president. So here's what this reminds me of: um, sometimes there are city councils, and I know because I used to live someplace that operated like this. The city council, the way they voted the mayor. and had different positions on the city council was they just vote for each other so they just really rotated chairs it was like a, a cakewalk they just rotated chairs it was very difficult to get new blood in there to get new ideas and it was very difficult to break up corruption and so that's where i get concerned with that because that's not democracy to just vote for each other i mean it's it's like a 
a men's club is what it was like. It, I mean, there were a couple women on on the board um, for um, the city council that I remember having to deal with in times past, but um, I certainly didn't trust those women, especially one of them, because it's it's so interesting. Like, how do I word this? Like, you think that if you get a woman on a board, that she's going to change everything and things going to be better, but Eventually, she just becomes one of the guys because she likes the power too, and probably likes the money as well. So, you know, don't vote for someone based on their sex. Vote uh, vote on who they are as a person, or nominate them who they are as a person. Sex has nothing to do with it, obviously. So then it goes on to list these uh, different local unions, which I won't go into that because it's just listing their numbers and where they're located. Then the next section is U. It's uh, ATU Canada. It says established in 1982, the Amalgamated Transit Union Canada, formerly the ATU Canadian Council, represents workers in various Canadian transit systems and other industries. It is the highest authority and voice in Canada for the ATU on all issues of Canadian interest, including legislation, political, educational, health and safety, cultural and social welfare matters. That's kind of concerning that. Um, They have that much say on so many things. That's really kind of weird. Canada is home to over 35 ATU locals located in nine different provinces and territories. The largest ATU Canada local is Local 113, located in Toronto, Ontario, representing over 10,000 members of the Toronto Transit Commission. And it lists their other locals, but that's not really important. Then the next section is talking about political and legislative activities. It says, in addition to membership servicing, the ATU is actively engaged in several progressive political causes. Right there, I'm concerned because they've got the word progressive, so you know it's going to be liberal, left-wing, kind of nutty, um, very much socialist, fascist, hopefully not communist. It says, beyond promoting increased transit funding, energy independence, and the maintenance of a strong publicly funded transit system, the ATU advocates for a number of social justice topics. That has nothing to do with driving a bus. That is so annoying to me. When these unions they get involved in social justice or they get involved in some little cause or agenda, and it's like you know, you're disadvantaging your members by doing that. You're wasting monies on that. It, it's it's just a way to get the public to think that their organization is great, which it's not. Because if if all they're doing is latching on. To these causes, especially something like social justice and things like that, that tells me they don't really have a clear goal, and they really can't be trusted with money. Because I look at the facts, I look at black and white, yes and no. I look at the accounts, things like that. That's what I want to know. It says in 2008, the ATU endorsed Hillary Clinton, not surprised, in her unsuccessful bid for the Democratic presidential nomination. After she conceded defeat, the ATU endorsed Barack Obama. Again, I'm not surprised. In his bid to become president, in November 2010, ATU, the Transportation Equity Network, the Transit Workers Union, other labor unions, and transit advocates convened a quote-unquote boot camp in Chicago, Illinois. Activists from varying backgrounds discussed the issues facing both union members and transit riders and identified opportunities to work together in the future to address the nation's transit crisis. Obviously, nothing's really come out of that because they're not really good at it. The ATU and Good Jobs First, quote unquote, convened a second boot camp for transit advocates in Silver Spring, Maryland in March 2011. 
In 2011, the ATU became one of a handful of North American labor unions to publicly oppose construction of the Keystone XL tar sands pipeline. You know, it's very interesting that they are against um, job creation. They're against um, the United States um, not being dependent on other people for fuel, for energy. Um, they're, they're, they're not for the United States being independent. And when it, that's really why the United States was founded was to be independent and self-reliant. So what's interesting is that this union, you know, they're not for that pipeline. You know, they're not for being independent, but yet they expect people to pay their cushy wages, their pensions. So they really want to be dependent on, 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 other, on other people. But yet they expect our country to be dependent on, on other things as well. When Here's the thing. If you're not self-reliant as much as possible, you're screwed. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in the United States or Europe. Like, you, you have to take ownership of your life. And you have to look at things like, well, how can this be successful in the short term and the long term? Because if you're not looking at it from an adult point of view and being as self-reliant as you can be, then you're going to have more failures than successes. That's the thing. You know, even when you're self-reliant, you can still have failures, but they're not going to be as bad. And here's the thing. If you're not as self-reliant as possible, then you're just creating a nanny state in your in your in your life and in your country which leads to socialism and when you have socialism over time you lose more and more of your rights because you're expecting to live off of someone else's income as opposed to your own and that that's a big problem and that's also not the american way much less the christian way goes on to say the ATU is named the most valuable national union that's concerning in the nation magazine's progressive honor roll of 2012 that's disturbing for its support of the occupy movement. I don't remember what the occupy movement is, but it's kind of ringing a bell. It says the National Day of Action for Public Transportation and other social justice issues. I wonder if that has anything to do with uh, Occupy Wall Street. I could be wrong, but I will look that up and circle back to that. Cuz I did not agree, FYI, I did not agree with Occupy Wall Street because I thought what are all these young people doing? Not in school, not working, and they're just clogging up traffic, they're causing problems. And what they don't understand is that every single person that works on Wall Street or in Wall Street or in that area, they have jobs and they're trying to do a job and they're trying to support their family. So, what I find interesting is that all these young people that that they should be at school or they should have a job and you'll know, be fulfilling their dream, you'll know, be, you know, fulfill their destiny. But to me, I just thought it was odd that they would just go occupy Wall Street, that area, and just protest stuff. And I'm like, do you not realize like how important Wall Street is like to our economy and and you're going to protest it? Like it just looked like such stupid kids, just ignorant. And I'm just like, man, open a textbook, a good textbook, not a liberal textbook, but you know, even just read up on economics and the economy and realize that hey, every country has a Wall Street, quote unquote. Every country has has um activity in the stock market regardless of what market you're on whether it's the the Nasdaq or the Asian market or whatever the case may be like these kids are so stupid i, I mean they're basically just throwing their future away by just protesting something that they don't really understand what it means i just thought you know when i was their age i was either going to school or i was busy working 
it would have never dawned on me to go protest on Wall Street because I knew that those people had jobs and they're just trying to support their family. I mean, are there bad people in every industry? Sure, but the majority of people are good. Like just because you've got a few bad apples that doesn't mean that everybody's bad, everybody's horrible. See, th- that's the mentality of some of these stupid people. Not all of them are young. But when I was looking at the TV at the time with Occupy Wall Street thing, it was mostly these young kids. You know that that should have been high school or college. And I'm like, you know, who's paying your bills? Your parents because you're obviously not working. I mean, it it's just so dumb. I just thought, you know, These kids, I bet they're just being indoctrinated into some kind of mindset that just is anti-America. And I'm like, you know, how can you be anti-America but live in America and go to McDonald's and, and get a Big Mac? Like it's, it's like I just think that is such greed and gluttony. Whenever people complain about America, but they're born and raised in America, they're utilizing our services in America, they love eating out in America, but but yet they're slamming their fist down the table. you know claiming social injustice social injustice really like are you going to say that in between bites of eating your big mac and your french fries when you know the, the united states is one of the most abundant countries on the planet it means mean, it just is like think about what you're saying and what you're doing and and realize that yes there are problems but don't throw your life away on stupidity and stupid causes that amount to nothing and if anything those stupid causes they deteriorate your future and it sabotages your future. So, you know, if if there's anyone listening to this that is young, like a teeny bopper or a 20-something-year-old, please do not throw away your future or your time or your money on some movement that that just gets you, you know, riled up, you know, just really get your blood pressure up so to speak. You know, the kind of movements that you should be involved in are people that promote peace and due diligence because that's where that's where you have the most action really and and that's where you get the most results because you know there is a phrase i don't always like it but in this case it's correct violence begets violence like th- those occupy wall street people they didn't really accomplish much all they did was clog up traffic and if i had been living there i probably would have yelled at those kids and be like you know why don't you why don't you grow up and get a job i'm trying to get to work I'm trying to earn a living. Why don't you go do something with your life? Like be constructive. Cuz to me what they were doing was just lazy, just slothful, the arrogance like that. I mean, it's just like you got to be kidding me. It's like they're crying wolf and there's no wolf. It just gets old. It's like, look, do you do you really want to make a difference in Wall Street? Yes, I do. Okay, then go to school, go to college, get a really good education, learn about economics. um you know learn about the market learn about business you know get an MBA and then go work for one of those firms change it from within you know don't be a nazi nut or a fascist or something but i guarantee you if you will do that and you will learn the basics of a, of the economy and how money's work and how our currency works you'll realize that you got tooken you got fooled by whoever told you that oh wall street's the problem these rich people are the problem white people are the problem i got news for you No those things are the problem. It's the instigators and the haters that are the problem. It's the people that cause problems that are the problem. That's the thing. So just just remember that cuz it's real important cuz I just feel so sorry sometimes for for young people that are teeny boppers and in the early 20s 
it's like their lives are just being consumed into these stupid causes that don't amount to anything but destruction. And it can really warp your mind if all you think is I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Well, get over yourself. All of us have experienced some kind of hardship one way or another. But if all I ever think is that I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm going to cry about it, I'm going to scream about it, I'm going to be angry about it, how is that living a good life? It's not. In fact, it's pathetic. Because at some point, you, have, you need to pick yourself up off the floor, dry your tears, and just live your life to the best of your ability. Strive for something better. Don't strive for something worse. That, that's my point. I know I'm preaching to the choir because I'm sure that every single person that's listening to this completely understands what I'm talking about. But it just greatly disappoints me to see so many young people get sucked into something that they don't realize they're being used. Because I personally can't stand being used. I hate it. I despise it. I literally hate it with a capital H when someone tries to use me. It's just like, mm. whenever I find out that someone's been using me, I pray about it. I'm like, oh, Lord, because I'm a Christian, so I'm going to pray about it. I was like, Lord, I, I found another one of those bad people. Please help me deal with this. And the way that I handle situations like that is every decision I make, I know I've said this before, but it's worth saying again, every decision I make, it has to, it has to satisfy two rules. It has to be legal and moral. Everything I do has to be legal and moral. Because just because it's legal does not mean it's moral. Because, see, here's the thing. You can be irritated and mad about something, and you can want vengeance. You know, you, know, you, can, want, you can want to... Just scream at somebody, you know, you, you know, you can want to slap them in the face. But here's the thing. If you do that, you're the one that's going to jail, not the person that hurt you or wanted to hurt you or caused the problem. So literally, learn to practice distancing your actions from your emotions. Separate those two. It takes time to do it. But the more you do it, the wiser you will become and the calmer your life will be and you'll realize A lot of the stuff that's happening in our society, wherever you live, it's not worth getting upset to the extreme over. Are there things that are upsetting? Yes. But if you want to be productive in that, don't use your energy in, a, in anger mode or stress mode or depressed mode. Be wise. You know, practice due diligence within your own life because that, that not only guards and protects you in your life, But it helps you to guard and protect others. That, that's real important. And you're probably thinking, why guard and protect? Why is this woman saying that? Here's the thing. Sometimes you have to guard and protect yourself, not just from violence, but from like bad business decisions and who you affiliate with and, and what you believe in. You know, there are so many things that we have to protect ourselves from, especially bad indoctrination, bad theologies. I mean, there's bad churches out there. I mean, just... You know, really learn to look at things from a black and white, yes and no, keep it simple. Because whenever we start living in the gray area, that's where so many more problems happen. Because then it's like it's not clear how to make a decision. When it is easy to make a decision, it is clear. Just keep it simple. Keep your cool. As I say, be cool, calm, and couth. That not only especially helps you. But it also helps anybody else that you're doing business with or anyone that you are talking with or anyone that you're associating with is my point. That, that's just how I look at it because it's greatly helped me. And if it can help you, if, if it can help me, it can help you. So, I mean, I'm all about helping other people in, in terms of that. So then this article goes on to say, 
Um, beginning in 2013, the ATU became a vocal supporter of the Robin Hood tax campaign. I'm going to look that up later in a different podcast. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, and I'm pretty sure I already don't like it. It goes on to say, in March 2016, ATU endorsed Senator Bernie Sanders. I'm not surprised because this union sounds pretty fascist. For the Democratic presidential nomination, after he conceded defeat, the, AT, uh, the ATU endorsed Hillary Clinton. Again, not surprised for president. In February 2020, ATU was among the first unions to endorse Joe Biden. Not surprised for the Democratic presidential nomination. And then it goes on to list a timeline. And um, if you want more information like that, definitely look that up online. Um, but anyway, um, that is it for this lovely podcast with the Amalgamated Transit Union. Very interesting one. They do have problems, but I do think it is fixable. And the way that I would fix it is I would distance myself from any kind of political cause. I would distance myself from any kind of propaganda. I would distance myself from any kind of social quote-unquote justice campaigns or, or causes. And I would focus on the actual members and what to do. And I would not try and uh, schmooze the public with sympathizers, trying to get people to sympathize with the union. Because that's just manipulating people and manipulating their feelings. And I, I don't fall for that. If anything, it makes me distrust people whenever they're trying to get me to sympathize with them. And it's just like, wait a second. Like, if you're trying to get people, if you're trying to get me to sympathize with you, and that tells me that you're, what you're wanting me to sympathize with may not be legit. Because here's the thing. You shouldn't have to try and get people to sympathize with you. They should just naturally do it if they see that the situation is bad or something's going on that's wrong and something needs to be fixed. Like, if someone has to try and convince you to be sad or depressed then that tells you that what they're trying to convince you of is probably not legit because they're trying to convince you. Usually, I'll give an example. You know, let's say for, you know, you watch like one of my favorite movies is Old Yeller. I love that film. It's one of my favorite Disney films. You know, there's a scene in the movie where Travis has to shoot Old Yeller. And in case you haven't seen Old Yeller, it's about a um, a dog that is the family dog and it's in the 1800s and um he gets rabies. And back then, uh, it was called it was called hydrophobia. And back then, there was no vaccine, um, no treatment, and there still is technically no cure for hydrophobia. Once you get it, it's pretty bad. Uh, it's almost always a lethal death sentence, basically. Like 99.9% of people that get um, rabies is um, they, they die. It's actually very rare to survive it, which is why it's very important. Um, to get all your animals and things like that vaccinated for that. But anyway, they did not have vaccines for this like that back then. And so uh, Old Yeller, their family dog, was attacked by a deranged wolf who had hydrophobia, a.k.a. rabies. And so Old Yeller was locked up um, in the corn crib to isolate him because they knew the hydrophobia was spreading across the frontier uh, where they were living because there had been reports of it. And so back then, when you had outbreaks of hydrophobia, you had to kill the animal and, and or bury it. I don't know if they set them on fire. I don't think they burned them because I'm trying to think if they burned them or not back then. Because sometimes there's a chance of bloodborne or airborne pathogens getting in the air and then you breathe that in. But anyway, um, they put Old Yeller in quarantine, the mother did, and Travis, the oldest son, He was getting mad at his mother saying, oh, you're just being mean to old Yeller. You know, look, you know, he saved our lives from that wolf. And the mother's trying to tell him, hey, you know, that wolf was acting weird 
And after two weeks, if old Yeller is fine, he can come out of the corn crib. But, you know, we need to do this to protect us. And sure enough, old Yeller um, gets rabies. He tries to attack Travis. And um, he has to go get his gun and he has to shoot him. So, it's you know, that part in the movie, it, it's just gut-riching. It's just so sad. Like, just from you seeing it, and even if you couldn't even see the movie, even if you could just hear it, you would just feel sad. Like, I almost cry every time I see this movie. Here's the thing. No one has to convince me to cry. No one has to convince me that something really tragic has just happened in this movie. Like, I naturally feel it. Like, I know what's going on. I see it. I feel it. I know it. And so I don't have to be convinced that there's tragedy taking place. Unfortunately, when it comes to unions like this one and other unions, it's like they're having to convince people that there's problems, 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 social injustice, and they have to try and convince people. Well, it's like what I was saying just a moment ago. If you have to try and convince something, there's if you have to try and convince someone there's a problem, then that tells me you don't really have a problem. And that's probably going to shock some people that hear this if they're not used to how unions operate and how they try and fool people. But it's one of those things like all of us have common sense. You know, we can figure things out. And here's the thing. If someone has to try and convince you of something, then it's not really good for you. Because most of the time we can figure things out, we can practice common sense, and that's what we're supposed to do as adults. But again, you know, if you want a good example of that, watch Old Yeller. One of my favorite films, hands down, besides The Ten Commandments, another one of my favorites. But, um, you know, just I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't like it when unions try and fool people. They, they, they try and fool their members, and then they try and fool the public. And the reason why they love to fool the public and get them to be sympathizers is so that they can get better contracts. It, it has to do with money. It's greed. I'll just say it. It has to do with greed. And so the reason why it has to do with greed, because you're probably thinking, what is she talking about? Well, here's the thing. If a union can get enough people, enough public people, enough people like you and me, just regular everyday citizens that are not in a union, business owners, whatever the case may be, if a union can get enough sympathizers, then they can use that as ammo, so to speak, to get a better contract, to get better wages, better benefits, and better health insurance. But here's the thing. Most of the time, their benefits are not reasonable. They're not realistic. They are astronomical. They are overinflated, and it's ridiculous. However, the public... The general public, which is you and me, most of the time we're not aware, but they're already getting paid. And that's what happened with the auto workers union. Like we did not know that they were getting overpaid like, like extremely like that. And then they received a government bailout to cover all these cushy benefits. See, that's, that's where you have to be careful who you give your sympathy to. That's why you have to know the facts. Just keep that. That's not meant to be cold. That's not meant to be cruel. It's just these are the facts. You have to look at things from black and white, yes and no, because if you don't, then you could easily fall into a trap and side yourself with someone that was just using you for a vote or they were just using you for your money or they were just using you for your, your participation in their picketing event or whatever the case may be. Because I know what it's like to be used, and it really disappoints me whenever people do that. It really disappoints me. And it's just, see, here, here's the thing. When someone uses you, they're fooling you. It's horrible to feel that way because then you go, wait a second. 
This isn't what they said it was. This isn't what it was supposed to be. I, I got duped. I'm saying that that is what can happen with things like this. It's not fair. It's not right. But you know, let's let's not be little kids about this and and throw the it's not fair card out there. But it's just being a good rational adult and just handling situations as they come. and looking at situations from okay what what is the short term effect and what is the long term effect of this what is our short term goal and what is our long term goal because you need to have both in order to handle different situations that pop up which in the case of the amalgamated transit union seems to me like they've been having problems for a long time probably since like the turn of the century because they've gone on strikes well just think about it. they've been going on strike and throwing hissy fits even back then like early 1900s what were people supposed to do to get to work See that's what you have to remember. When people like this and these unions go on strike, that means people like you and me that may rely on public transportation, we can't get to work. Well, guess what? Some of us are hourly. And get this, some of us are also um not hourly, like we're like permanent employees that have a regular salary. You know, let's say you make 40k a year and that's just what it is. You can't make more, you can't make less, but here's the thing. If you can't get to work and you can't do the job, then you will make less because you're not there doing your job. That's the problem. If if these people that work for the transit union, if they throw a hissy fit like they have in the past and don't want to do their job, but yet there are so many people that want the United States to rely they want the United States, I don't get this and I'll close with this. They want the United States to be more and more like Europe. Why would we want to be more and more like Europe when we left Europe? We left them for a reason. That doesn't mean we don't like them. Like I love Britain. I love all of Europe. I mean, I I love the Polish people. I love the German people. I mean, I just they're, they're wonderful people. I've met wonderful people from so many different countries over there. But here's the thing: I don't want to be like them. I don't want their socialized medicine over here. I don't want their government system over here because guess what? Most of them don't know how to run stuff. They're not really they're not real democracies sometimes. Especially if they practice any type of socialism, that's not real democracy, and it's also not a free market. Well, guess what? The United States is technically a republic. We are also a democracy. We have a free market, and we are capitalists. Whether you like it or not, we are technically capitalists. Here's how you know if you're a capitalist: you can go to any restaurant and order what you want, whenever you want, however you want, and you exchange money for that. You can you can go to Walmart and buy a bicycle. What what am I talking about? Money. currency the strength of your currency the strength of your country in terms of its economy whenever you have countries that do not have free markets and they're not capitalist you start to have a lot of problems and that's what we're seeing over in Europe especially with the euro so i've met people that they have wanted the united states to have more and more public transportation and less and less cars and trucks on the road well That is absolutely dumb. Like a lot of our our cities and our states are not built that way. We're not like Europe. You know, we're not small. We're not confined. And also, we don't have as much history as Europe because you know, we are a fairly young country compared to the rest of Europe. We just are. And that's you know, I'm not dissing the United States. Those are just the facts. We are a young country, but we're large. Like some of our individual states are larger than some of the individual countries over in Europe. So why would we as a large country take advice from someone who has a fraction of the population of what we have, doesn't make as much money as we have, 
doesn't have access to our kind of resources like why would we be taking advice from people that don't have our way of life they never will they never have and they never will because their country it's small unless they take over another country unless they take over our continent or something they're not going to understand the volume of people that we have there's a reason why we have cars and trucks and SUVs and things like that like i'm from oklahoma city oklahoma as i've said before Public transportation is a joke here. Why? Because a lot of our things here are spaced out. Like if I wanted to get to downtown Oklahoma City, it'd probably take me well over an hour or three hours to walk there. Like Oklahoma, our stuff is not built around a city square, and that's how. You know, that's very similar to how the rest of the United States is built. Like we don't have city squares like Europe does. where everything's kind of more centralized and you know we don't have that like we have things spread out so you need to have your own car you need to have your own truck or SUV or whatever you drive or your motorcycle or scooter or whatever the case may be so we you know public transportation is great but it's not the be all in all it's not because I'll I'll tell you what we have excuse me there's public transportation in Oklahoma City I don't think I've ever been on it. Um I cannot ever think of a time I've ever used it, but I do know this. Our public transportation is not safe. The reason why is because one of the main bus stations is in downtown Oklahoma City is notorious for being drug infested, like needles everywhere, and it has homeless people everywhere. Being that I am a young woman, I am not going to go to a drug infested, needle infested, homeless infested, dangerous place just to get on a public transport bus. when I can just drive my own vehicle and I can have the safety of my own car I I'm not going to invest in public transportation like that it's it's not safe it's not even like tr- public transportation is not even that safe in Europe and I'll give an example um there's this one couple they went I'm trying to think what European country they went to I can't remember if it was was it Britain I'm trying to remember but anyway they were on a bus and they were um is it a britain or italy i can't remember which one which country but they were over there they were on a bus and they were trying to exit the bus it was a public transport bus right but there were these gypsies these gypsies on the bus they surrounded these americans and they got in between um the wives and the husbands so they would um congregate and and circle kind of like pray uh the wife or the husband preferably the wife is what they would do and they would make it so that they couldn't get off the bus and they would try and and pickpocket them they would just try and take stuff off of them these gypsies and so um there were some uh, Europeans on the bus and they yelled at these gypsies and said leave them alone get get away from them let them off the bus now and so these Americans they got separated from the rest of their group which was really stupid because Americans are easily targeted over there. And so um if these if these nationals or these people that were from that country had not intervened, I don't know what would have happened to these Americans because these gypsies they were evil, they were horrible. Gypsies are not known for being honest, they're not they're not known for being legitimate um citizens. Um they're known for being vagrants, migrants, um corrupt. Um they steal a lot. They typically don't keep their kids in school very long because they they travel a lot. I mean, not like a jet setter, not by any means, but they um they're very nomadic in how they are. But they have their own rules. They have their own little cult, so they don't really honor or respect 
the laws of the land where they currently are, wherever they live or, or wherever they are at that moment. And so, I mean, that's just an example of some of the stuff that happens all the time on public transport over in Europe or, or, or public transit buses and things like that or even trains. So, you know, these people that are all for public transportation, you know, take it with a grain of salt. You really do. You have to be careful. Because, I mean, that's one thing. When my mother and I were over in Italy, we went over there on a, on a religious pilgrimage, you know, many, many moons ago. And we, we, we stayed together because there, there were some bad people over there in Italy. And we were in Rome. Um, we were seeing all these different sites. Um, we were in Pompeii. We were in Capri, Anna Capri, the Amalfi Coast, which is absolutely beautiful. Loved it. So much history there. But... You know, Americans, we stand out. We stand out like a sore thumb. So being that we stood out like a sore thumb, we made sure that we stayed together as much as possible, you know, within our group. I mean, we enjoyed our trip, but um, you just have to practice caution. And so, you know, public transport, like I said, or public transit, excuse me, is not the be-all, end-all. And um, if I had a choice, which we always have a choice, I always choose to drive myself in terms of when I'm in my home country And when I'm traveling to and from work, I'm not going to use public public transit system. I'm just not going to do it. And also, I don't know if they disinfect stuff because also those buses are gross. I mean, if you're having to load a bus where there's just needles everywhere and it's gross, like what are you sitting on? You know, what are you being exposed to? Like I would be very concerned about that. So but anyway, um, the next union that we're going to take a look at is the American Nurses Association. That should be interesting. says it was founded in 1897, so that should be an interesting one to take a look at. But anyway, um, until next time, um, you know, happy um, Christmas Eve, technically. I can't believe we're already close towards uh, the end of December, but, you know, um, happy Christmas Eve. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And um, if I don't talk to you before then, have a wonderful, happy new year. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
Don't let this world go down 